You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And the movies are back, baby. (laughs) They sure are, just like Nicole says. We come to the place for magic, for moments, (laughs) for memories. For Mamma Mamma Mia. Mia. So yeah, cuties, we are covering movies. So welcome back. Hello. 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 And now that Hollywood has returned, I feel like I am allowed to be an actor again. I really had to put on my literary hat. But now, SAG, hire me or whatever. I don't have the money to pay the dues, but still bring me in. Because I have new impression work right off the bat. This was not in the outline. (laughs) It was in mine. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you saw my story, but... I did an impression of Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater having sex, and it goes a little like this. Yeah. Thank you for that. So, SAG, if you're listening, aren't you glad that we took a stand, that we stood with the creators, so that one day Donnie could do that? Here we are. In a place of magic. So we are here to cover Mamma Mia. Now, this was a funny little experience for me. It was kind of a walk down memory lane because we were all ready to go to cover Mamma Mia in mid-July last year, and we had completely done the whole outline, and then we realized, oh shit, that's scabbing, and we can't record this episode. It was funny then to return to the scene of the crime because it was a lot like (laughs) reading an old journal entry or an old diary where I'm like, I remember what I thought I was writing, but I'm not connected to that person anymore. And so God help us with this outline as I moderate this because I, of course, didn't change a damn thing. So I'm going to be talking about like, I can't wait for August. I am glad this happened because I thought I knew this movie well enough to where we were going to cover it the first time. I watched it over someone's shoulder on a plane. So I was like, that's good enough. That's just like the refresher I need. I didn't really watch it. So then, now that we're covering it four months later, I watched it for real. I'm really glad the dedication of (laughs) watching over someone's shoulder, you've decided, no, I'm going to be a professional (laughs) businesswoman now. Yeah. So this movie was released in the United States on July 18th, 2008. It was a Friday. Ah! The number one song in the United States was I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. Dance With Me by Dizzy Rascal featuring Calvin Harris and Chrome was at the (laughs) top of the UK charts. That was like a Mad Libs prompt for me. (laughs) Every word was a surprise. (laughs) Sometimes they transition from America to UK or UK to America. I feel like this did not. Because Dizzy Devil, I've never heard of that. Calvin Harris, I know, but every other word there, you could be lying to me. I could be lying to myself. I do it all the time. (laughs) The Dark Knight was number one at the box office. This movie was number two, and Hancock was number three. All things I've seen. I was going to say all good choices, and then I thought about it. All movies. (laughs) All movies that came out. Oh, my gosh. My (laughs) sister-in-law, shout out Sam. She said the shadiest, funniest thing I've ever heard. You know when you go to a wedding and... You look around and you're waiting for the first person to be like, wow, what a shit show. But you're just waiting for somebody to be the one to say it. So we were all coming back from this wedding and Sam goes, well, that was the most recent wedding I've been to. And that really just opened up the floodgates for shit talking. But I think that's so funny. That is the way to say it. Uh Uh-huh. So thank you for not watching this movie over somebody's shoulder and for rewatching. Now, when I had first created this outline, I had never seen this movie. Mm. However, since July, I think I've watched this movie about, I'm not even exaggerating, this isn't a hyperbole, about three times a week. As you should. My girls are (laughs) obsessed. Still to this day? Still to this day, I will hear one of them randomly in their room singing, Money, money, money (laughs) must be funny in a rich man's world. They didn't watch it when I was there, which I'm a little upset about, but that's fine. Yeah, you guys were too busy watching High School Musical, though. Three. Three. (laughs) Pardon me. Well, speaking of sequels, you had a hot take that I didn't know about about this movie. The second one's better. That's the hot take. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again is perhaps one of the best movie musicals 
ever made. It came out 2018, so with our 10-year rule, we only have to wait five more years before we can cover it. Okay. And Kaya from Bravo, We're Black already said that she's going to be the guest for it. Brilliant. Okay. Like, this was a Broadway show first, so then the movie just had to be the Broadway show. But the sequel, they were like, we made a lot of money, we want more. Here we go again. Yeah, we already used all the good ABBA songs, so they just used half of them again, and then used, like, three songs they didn't use. It's brilliant. <laughs> it is so, so unnecessary and good. But because it's unnecessary, they really lean into the camp. Mm, okay. And I like that any kind of backstory that we established in the first, out the window, because we just need a sequel to happen. So in the first, they actually say that Meryl Streep's mother fully dead like if she was still here or like yeah. she's looking up at us from hell whatever they say uh-huh. in the sequel she shows up she's like i'm back <laughs> bitches i've been dancing with the devil yeah. now i'm here to dance with you queens. she doesn't say that like she faked her death she doesn't say anything she just shows up played by share so i think people just fully ignore <laughs> fully ignore that she's supposed to be dead but yeah a wild ride well i will save mama mia 2 for the next time you visit so that you can watch it with my girls <gasps> and it will be so fun because they already know the songs so it'll be like when you go to a concert and they start playing the hits yeah. they're gonna be like oh my god i know it they're gonna be getting out their little kitty lighters just lighting the house on love fire. that and it's good to know that nobody in the sequel can sing either so that at least is something that is recurring I'm so happy to hear you say this because I was not going to be able to fake it for the next 40 minutes of pretending that any of these people. Okay, Amanda Seyfried, actually. I take that back. She's the only good. Why is Pierce What's His Buns in this movie? I don't know. And I feel like they do this for movie musicals all the time. Like in the Les Mis one, Russell, not Russell Brand, Russell Crowe has a full song. And Hugh Jackman can't sing either. I don't know if that's true. And I'm glad you said Les Mis, because I have that example in my outline, too, and I put Les Wiz. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a P joke? (laughs) No, I think I was thinking Les Mis, but I think I was also thinking of The Wiz. (laughs) And so I just said Les Wiz. Oh, wow. I would see it. Yeah. About a golden shower. (laughs) I think the most egregious person who was cast in a musical who cannot sing was famously when Christopher Walken played Captain Hook on that live Mm. action movie. Yeah. My God. I didn't watch that. I think we've had this conversation before, but that's when Allison Williams was yeah, Peter Pan. That's why I didn't watch it. And I think it was like right before or right after her dad got canceled. Mm. So it was a big time for Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. <laughs> I can't do a Christopher Walken impression, God. but he's like, I used to have a hand. Now I don't. That wasn't bad. I think they might put you in SAG for that. Thank you. Of course. I have to thank the Academy. <laughs> Did you know that Hugh Grant recently told Drew Barrymore that she can't sing? <laughs> No. After they did that song and music oh, movie uh-huh. together, he like casually on her show was like, well, I mean, you can't sing. And she was like taken <laughs> aback live on air. He's kind of right. I mean, I'm just going to say it. I think that we really enable a lot of Drew Barrymore's delusions of grandeur. Mm. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I right. think that we as a society, she's been through <laughs> enough. We can put her painting on the fridge and tell her it's a masterpiece. <laughs> but I do think that we need to get real about our motivations and what we're actually seeing. <laughs> like, give it five years and the Drew Barrymore show will fully be the Tyra Banks show. I think we're already there. That Megan thing where the contact slides around, <laughs> that that has bumped us to the Tyra Banks show level. And Allison Williams was the guest on that oh, episode. So circles become yeah. circles. Wow, movie magic. <laughs> so if today's episode makes you laugh or scream or... I don't know, want to sick Drew Barrymore after us. Please do us a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Again, a five-star review is the easiest way to help us do things like book guests. So, you know, if you're sick of these two slags talking to each other, we can book a guest with more reviews. We can get more sponsors with reviews. And we can help grow this audience with more reviews. So, thank you. Help us. (laughs) (laughs) do you have any background info or trivia for us today oh do i and i forgot how much background information there was on movies i was typing the outline i was like i'm never gonna stop talking so it was directed by felita lloyd who was a british theater director and this was her first movie she also directed the iron lady after this which earned meryl streep an oscar 
So welcome to the crew, Felita. It was written by Katherine Johnson, who also wrote the stage show of Mamma Mia. The budget, woo! The budget was $52 million and it made $694 million. Whoa. (laughs) I know a lot of times we can't do math, but I know that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Money, money, money. (laughs) Must be funny. David Edelstein of Vulture said, Amanda Seyfried is a radiant object and can sing, but I'd like to forget the others, especially Pierce Brosnan, whose singing is the best imitation I've heard of a water buffalo. (gasps) That is so oddly specific and yet not wrong. (laughs) I knew you would like it. Now this, I don't know if you'll like. Your man, Roger Ebert. I forgot about old Bobby. (laughs) Roger Ebert gave it two stars saying, there are wall-to-wall songs by ABBA if you like that sort of thing. I don't. (laughs) Oh, that old bitch, man. It's like seeing like your least favorite aunt at a holiday where you're happy for the first five minutes and you're like, maybe it'll be different this time. Maybe she won't talk about her candle business and QAnon, try to get me to sign up for her MLM legging scheme. But yet, here they are. Buy some leggings. I have to say, I'm not a huge ABBA person. Ah. Now, my two uncles, one of my favorite memories from my wedding was the two of them. They were in the center of the dance circle dancing to Dancing Queens. And that's like a core memory for me because that was like their wedding song together too. A little on the nose, but hey, they were gay in the 60s and (laughs) 70s. So what can you do? But yeah, overall, I think I'd prefer to hear Pierce Brosnan sing it. Then ABBA? Brosnan? Brosnan? Brosnan. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's if I'm saying it right. (laughs) Will Pharrell. Pharrell. That's the right way to say it? No. Pharrell? Will Pharrell. It's not Pharrell. You know when you say a word so many times and you're like, is this really a word? I am starting to gaslight myself where I just had a moment where I was like, is it Will Pharrell? No, it's Will Pharrell. It's not Pharrell. Pharrell are cats that fuck in front of people. And you. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. Anyway, if you forgot about Bobby, I know you forgot about this. I'm going to give you three taglines and you say Uh, which one you would fuck, which one you would marry, and which one you would kill. We had so many running bits. My God, cuties, I love you. What were you doing listening to those book episodes? (laughs) No wonder we were so unhinged. We were not tethered to the earth at all. We sure were. So the first tagline for you is, the only thing missing from Sophie's wedding is the father of the bride, whichever one he is. That is so fucking long. (laughs) She hates a long tagline. I'm going to kill it. Right off the bat, kill. Second one. Everybody is coming to Sophie's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm going to marry that one. Okay. It's bland. It's vanilla. But it's got a good foundation. I could raise kids with that one. Which means you're fucking this last one. The music. The romance. The movie. The vibrator (laughs) I will be using to finish my orgasm. Wow. Yeah. Those are bad. I know. And they didn't use any ABBA puns. None. I think this one, because the movie is so strong and stands on its own, I think that we were left with not much creative juices for the taglines, whereas sometimes we've seen the opposite a lot. Like, the taglines are great, and the movie's awful. Because they're like, we really have to promote the shit out of this absolute stinker we've made. Yeah. But the one tagline is just a sentence. Everyone's coming to Sophie's wedding. But then if they added another sentence... Like, even her three dads, then you would say it's too long. But they could say, it's Sophie's wedding and everyone's coming, especially her mom. Get it? Because she came I three times it. with those men. <laughs> That's why you don't write taglines. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we need to hang this in a mall, Chelsea. We can't have <laughs> jokes about Meryl Streep coming. Yeah. Well, let's not forget that when we covered Pretty Woman, one of them was like, hooking is fun. <laughs> Again, shout out to Gen X because your childhood was wild. <laughs> Hooking is fun. I want to make merch that says that. Okay, a little trivia. Mandy Moore, Amanda Bynes, Rachel McAdams, and Emmy Rossum were all considered for the role of Sophie. Olivia Newton-John and Michelle Pfeiffer were considered for Donna. 
both of which can sing better than Meryl Streep. And Donny Osmond was considered for the role of Sam. Okay. And then Chris Klein auditioned for the role of Sky. And you'll notice that this verbiage says he auditioned. It does not say he was considered. So Chris Klein, not a singer, I guess. Pierce Brosnan signed on to the project without knowing anything about the movie other than it was filming in Greece and Meryl Streep was the star. So I don't even think he knew he had to sing. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) The last bit of trivia is Cher was offered the role of Tanya, but had to turn it down because she was on tour. However, she did sign on to play Sophie's grandmother in the sequel. I love that. Yeah. And this also makes me just want to watch Cabaret immediately. Burlesque, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, you knew what I meant, though. I did, but Cabaret is something very different with Nazis and Liza Minnelli, like (laughs) very different. No, I was thinking about Christina Aguilera. Burlesque. Yeah, I knew what you were talking about. This is why we would just destroy anyone at that secret password game. Password, that's what it's called. But see, you knew what I was talking about. Case in point. What character of this movie do you identify as? Uh, I talk about how awful she is in my entire outline, but Sophie. Because if there was someone in this world who would do something earth-shattering that could ruin multiple lives, including her own, as a surprise 24 hours before their wedding day, it would be me. That is very true. <laughs> and yeah. I, like, I knew what she does is wrong to the mom. And I knew what she did was wrong to the men. But then at the end, when the fiance's like, you did all this without telling me. It's my wedding, too. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that is kind of rude to him Good as point. well. <laughs> Whoa. Plot twist. M. Night Shyamalan, who? Okay. Well, I'm your mother. Mm. I resonate with Donna because I am a martyr. And I act like a victim when I am faced with the just very basic consequences of my own actions. (laughs) And then most importantly, my daughters are in total control of my life and are slowly just sucking the life out of me. (laughs) All fair points. Because they are too young to do anything quite this crazy, but it will come. Oh, 100%. They don't even need your diary to ruin your life. You have a podcast where you give details. They just need to listen to episodes and say, let me call them. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So this would be an example of me being a victim from the consequences of my own actions. Oh, a chill has gone down my spine. They might listen to this one day. They will. And then they're going to call that serial killer person you lived with. He'll just show up at your door (laughs) with his lizard. Is that the same person? Yeah, I did live with a murderer. Go back to our She's the Man episode. He had an iguana named Ralph. He's in jail. So hopefully he's not out by the time that they listen to this podcast. They're going to write him letters in jail. I'm never going to be able to tell them to not do anything because they'll be like, hey, mom, do you remember when you microdosed meth? Do you remember when you shit in a McDonald's bag? Remember when grandma used to have to put a bell on your neck so you didn't leave the house? (laughs) Okay. Well, that's fucking horrifying. It's not Halloween anymore, but my God. Boo. So time for the one minute synopsis. And cuties, we're changing it up a bit. We're doing something new. We did a Movies Are Back post where we asked you to tell us what movies you wanted us to cover or what guests you want us to have on. And we were fucking delighted by the number of cuties just shooting their shot, being like, me, put me in, coach. I'm ready to be a guest. So here's your chance. We have decided we are going to pick a cutie each week to give their version of the plot in one minute or less. So head over to patreon.com slash I am the cute one. And then it's the pinned post that gives all the details of how to put your proverbial hat in the ring, if you will. We had to start out with our friend, our ultimate hype man, a one-person social media PR campaign, the Kris Jenner to our Kardashian, (laughs) the one and only pink pop box giving us the plot of Mamma Mia in one minute or less. So take it away. Sophie loves Sky. Sky loves Sophie. Sophie wants her daddy to walk her down the aisle, but Sophie doesn't know who her daddy is. So what does Sophie do? She reads her mother's diaries on the down low and finds out there are three daddies that she could possibly have. So she invites all three for the weekend. Hilarity ensues and magical ABBA numbers happen spontaneously, which is a game man I'm totally okay with. At the end of the movie, we find out that all three guys want to share her, but that's okay because Donna still loves Bill and they get together and they get married instead of Sophie and Skye who realize we're way too young and 
that is the end of the story. Thank you, I am the cute one podcast. Welcome back. You made it. So let's jump in. Wait, before you start, I said 2023 was going to be my Mama Mia year, and the only clothes I bought would be white, denim, teal, or blue, and I failed. In 2023 alone, I purchased three maroon sweatshirts. (laughs) I want to know, can 2024 be my Mama Mia year, or is it too late? Well... I think shoot for the moon, even if you fail, you'll land among the stars. Who am I to tell you what year is your Mamma Mia year? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to do it. 2024, don't let me buy any clothes unless they're denim, white, teal, or blue. What about that says Mamma Mia? Everybody is dressed like that the whole movie, Chelsea. Really? (laughs) Yeah. You know what's so weird? My daughters can't tell Amanda Seyfried and Meryl Streep apart. I think the face blindness is genetic. Every time it's one of them on screen, they turn to me and they say, Mommy, is that the mommy Um, or the daughter? Well, at this point, I mean, face blindness may be hereditary, but if we're watching it three times a week, I just need you to pick up on context clues, little girl. (laughs) (laughs) So making this outline was hard because I love this movie, but there was no plot. And that is the problem with jukebox musicals in general, because we try to shoehorn these songs into a plot that it doesn't always work. When we have to put Dancing Queen in the same plot as Does Your Mother Know, Knowing Me, Knowing You, it's tough. It's no Miss Ross, that's for sure. (laughs) Miss Ross, top tier. (laughs) Okay, this is not in the outline, but if I ever told you about my drama teacher's brother making us perform his jukebox (laughs) musical? No. (laughs) Okay, so we had this man come in who was a playwright, and he was writing a musical that was set to 80s music. (laughs) It was so bad. And it was presented to us as like, this is a real playwright, and he's written this play, and we're going to workshop it so that he can take our feedback and improve his play. And so he comes in, and we're reading it, and I'm like, this is objectively bad. <laughs> now, I don't think I said that out loud to him, but uh-huh. I was me. You probably did. Maybe I did. I mean, talk about really forcing things. The only part I remember is that the bad mm. boy's realizing he's in love, and he turns around to look back as she's walking away, and then it transitions to, turn around every now and then I get a little ah! It was a little on the nose. But a fun thing about my high school is it was very insular. It was very enmeshed. All the teachers were dating or related. There was more drama with the teachers than the kids sometimes. And so my drama teacher, her brother, was our weightlifting teacher. So I go into my weight training class. Let's paint the scene. It is 2006. I go into the weight training class, first period, and he goes, Oh, yeah, here you've been hanging out with my gay ass brother all week. <gasps> Just blatant homophobia because, again, it was the early aughts and this was a weight training teacher who had told us a story about when he used to do steroids and his balls shriveled up. So, Uh. you know, the bar was pretty low for that first period class. And I was like, wait, the playwright that we've been workshopping? He told us, oh, yeah, that's my unemployed gay ass brother who convinced my sister to let him come so he could show off this fruity play he's been writing. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Every dream begins with an unemployed gay-ass brother, so who cares? Right. Just because he hasn't had anything on stage yet, everybody's first time is a first time. Every journey starts with a single step. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as 
Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTE1, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. Sophie's a gal with almost everything, a beautiful home on a Greek island, a hunky fiancé named Skye, and an upcoming white wedding. But alas, she does not have a father. (laughs) Luckily, she's been snooping through her mom's old diary and she's narrowed her mom's sexual escapades down to three potential DNA matches. According to the dot dot dots, Donna boinked Irish-American architect Sam on July 17th, (laughs) Swedish adventurer and travel writer Bill on August 4th, and British banker Harry on August 11th. Oh, honey, honey. I don't know the last time Sophie saw her bridesmaids, but it seems to have been a long time. So imagine not seeing your best friend for a few years, and when you travel to a Greek island for her wedding, the first thing she does is read you her mom's diary. Like, enough! This is <laughs> this is the first of many examples, but Sophie is unsufferable. Insufferable. <laughs> so, this is not shade towards Amanda Seyfried. She almost makes Sophie charming. Like, if anybody could make Sophie charming, it is Amanda Seyfried. But enough! Yeah. Even the getting married and wanting to travel the world thing. Like, this is a woman who doesn't know what she wants, and she spends the whole movie focusing on the wrong shit. And it's normal because she's like in her early 20s. She's 20. She's 20 years old. Right. It's normal at that point to not quite have it figured out and not really know what you want to be. And at 20, you're still like putting on different hats and figuring out like, okay, who do I want to be in this world? But my problem is when you put on these different hats, but you make everybody else and their lives revolve around whatever hat you're wearing today. Like I'm wearing a fedora and therefore you have to come to Greece and (laughs) drop everything. Oops. No, actually, I might want this bucket hat. Oopsie kitty. Yeah. Like, have a fashion show in the privacy of your own closet like a normal woman. <laughs> I agree. So it's wedding season, and no matrimony would be complete without a little behind-the-scenes drama. Sophie skips the Maury, you are the father bomb, and goes right for the nuclear button. She decides to secretly invite all three men to her wedding, assuming that she will know right away when she sees them which one is dear old dad. She doesn't tell anybody about this plan, not even her husband, who is like... You don't need a dad, babe. You got me. I think a lot of people in this movie are just awful because Sophie is insufferable, but this man is a walking red flag. Sky tells her she doesn't need a dad because she has him and that he is off to his last night of freedom before he goes on to tell her, and this is a direct quote of a song. I wasn't jealous before we met. Now every man that I see is a potential threat. And I'm possessive. It isn't nice. You've heard me saying that smoking was my only vice. But now it isn't true. Now everything is you. And then, later, he and his friends hijack the bachelorette party. Like, let a bitch breathe, please. It's controlling. It's manipulative. And I worry that they're on a small, isolated island. (laughs) This is a man who would, like, dig a tunnel from his house to hers and pop up at the foot of her bed in the middle of the night to be like, surprise! It is in his personality, for sure. But it's not as small as an island, as you say. When they have to go up that fucking Harry Potter mountain to get to the wedding chapel on a donkey... (laughs) 
<laughs> like, if he does build a tunnel from his house to hers, congratulations. Like, you did the work. I, I'm not gonna say bad things about you if you're willing to put in that kind of energy to do it. Okay. We love a work ethic and a can-do attitude here at I Am The Cute One. The donkey was a choice. It was a Jesus in Bethlehem callback for sure. <laughs> for sure. And she's in a white dress. And her mother owns the inn. <laughs> she does. So meanwhile, Donna's own wedding guests have arrived. Leonard Hofstetter's mom, Tanya, and Rosie, a chef with a cookbook. For one night only, Donna and the Dominoes are reunited. One second. You brought in Big Bang Theory. Fine. <laughs> Why didn't you bring in the other thing? Because I didn't want to talk about this. Go ahead. So a little behind the scenes tea, Donnie texted me and said, oh, is Rosie in Harry Potter? And I said, no, you dumb bitch. It's just another redheaded woman. It's not Miss Weasley. Are you an idiot? And he came with receipts. I did. Now, if you would have just put it in your outline, this didn't need to be talked about. And yet you decided not to. So then I had to point it out. So Rosie is Mrs. Weasley. She's Ron's mother. Yes. Once again, I would like to remind everybody, now that we're back to covering movies, face blindness is a real (laughs) affliction that affects us all. I guess it is. But I want to talk about the script itself. Donna says to them when she picks them up, great couple of role models you are for Sophie, a serial bride and a little hermit. (laughs) And I need Donna to do some self-reflection. Does she think she's a good role model? Like, yes, on paper, you have your own business. You're a single mother. I'm sure that's very hard. But what about everything else that I didn't list? (laughs) You are you are not a good role model and if Sophie picks up the traits that you have we're not leading towards success but I think sometimes it's easier to point fingers than Mm. to take a good hard look in the mirror I mean God knows if the mirrors are even cleaned or not broken in that (laughs) establishment judging from her wardrobe I don't know if she's looked into full length in a while that's true and I know it costs money to make money and I know like you can't spend what you don't have, mm-hmm. all of those things. Or as Pepe said, put it on a credit card. It's free. Well, she probably has bad credit. She probably can't. <laughs> if she is working under the quality that she's working on, credit cards are not an option for her, I don't mm. think. Because mm-hmm. the fact that she is worried about bringing in tourists and the fact that she is worried about putting this establishment online, like maybe you should get rid of a goat shack or whatever you have first. Before, why do we have a goat shack? Right. What kind of establishment do we want to be running? We need a niche down, right? We can't be a successful internet in and also a woman with a goat shack. Pick one. Pick a lane. Thank you. I know exactly. as women we can have it all, but do we want it all? Do we want a shack where you keep farm animals? I don't. Especially if I can't open the door to get out of the goat shack without the handle falling off. I know. This place is falling apart. It did hit a little bit too close to home for me. If at this point, when I wrote this outline, if she had talked about a broken furnace, I was going to turn off the movie. I was going to be done. But I'm happy to report, uh, am I in significantly more debt? Yes, I am. But am I today on November 15th recording this in my basement with heat around me? I sure am. That's wonderful. I, on the other hand, had nothing to say at this part in the outline four months ago, but I do have an update on my broken ceiling in November 2023. Okay. So the ceiling was fixed. I wasn't home for the weekend when it was fixed and painted. And you may recall he sent me out to buy a little gallon of paint because he did a little favor for me on something he wasn't hired to do. So he said, I'll fix this if you buy me paint to paint over it because that's a different color than the ceiling. So he had the ceiling paint, didn't have the wall And for the full rundown of this absolutely chaotic garbage goblin (laughs) that's been helping Donnie out, go back to our previous episodes because we've talked about him. I think at this point he is our third co-host. For sure. Uh (laughs) So... Um, bought the paint for him. Then when I came home from the weekend, the paint was gone and the ceiling that he had white paint for, he used wall paint for. So a different color than my ceiling, painted it, but not the whole thing. So the like around the part where he fixed is this like off white eggshell color in a blob. Where you can like see the paint strips. Yeah, yeah. Uh So I texted him and said, hey, next time you're in the area, can you bring the paint back? Because I'm going to finish it myself. I'm going to paint the ceiling to match the rest of the thing. He sent me a voice message that says, basically, like, I did you a favor and now you have the nerve to ask me for this paint back. But 
it wasn't like a give me my paint back if I had no need for it. Now I have to fix what you messed up. And I'm certainly not having you back in my house. He's like a vampire. If you invite him in, that's giving him permission to just suck your blood. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And as many cuties asked when I said he was there five days in a row, I had no personal space. A lot of cuties asked like, is he cute? No. Or I would have let him suck my blood already. But he is. Uh (laughs) He's certainly not. And he sings God music when he's around. Maybe to make sure he doesn't catch my homosexualness. I don't know. Mm. But he does make sure he sings God music loud. Is it God music or is it... How can I breathe without you? <laughs> the jury's still out. Maybe both. Maybe he's singing that to Jesus. Oh. But I did not respond to the message. I was like, you know what? Have the paint. It's not worth it. I can spend $20. Thank you, patron cuties. That $20 is coming from you. Then, the other day, I went to go to the grocery store. I opened my door, and the paint was just sitting in front of it. He didn't warn me. He didn't, like, knock when he dropped it off. He just put the paint pettily in front of my door. I don't like that. No, me neither. I don't like that. I feel like that's a painter's equivalent of the horse head (laughs) in your bed sheets. Like, I don't even want to use the paint now. I'm afraid there's, like, anthrax in it or his Mm -hmm. semen. I don't really know. but Maybe that's what made it off color. It was going to match the ceiling (laughs) until he added his little special flavor. Maybe. Good God. But I'd rather be at Donna's bungalow or whatever it's called. Money, money, money. She's singing again. As Donna (laughs) fantasizes about a world where she's on a yacht, Sophie's trio of father figures arrive and she sneaks them through a dungeon and into a goat house. And it turns out that none of the potential sperm donors are aware of Sophie's master plan or that one of them could be her dad. Which means Donna's magical vagina is so powerful that the mere memory of her was enough to lure three ex-lovers across an ocean for her daughter's wedding. And we see this residual pussy power in real time as the men go absolutely feral when they hear Donna singing her sweet (laughs) siren song. These men are unwell. Who in their right mind would drop everything to see their college girlfriend who they haven't spoke to since they broke up? And then... They stay when they realize they're not welcome just because her daughter, who, again, they've never met, asks them She's to. like, will you sleep next to this goat shit if there is a 1% chance you can fuck my mother again? And they're like, absolutely, sign me Yeah. Up. Like, what is your life in the homeland <laughs> if this is what you're willing to do? If this is a fun weekend getaway for you, yeah. what is it looking like from 9 to 5 Monday through Friday? Right. This might be a new record in terms of poorly <laughs> thought out sneak attacks because Sophie's scheme is immediately uncovered by Donna, like within minutes, when she's like, huh, that's strange. There are noises coming from the goat house. Oh, it's the three dudes that have been inside of me. And as Donna remembers the former lovers as they once were, our (laughs) horny Hulk transforms into a cat in heat. (laughs) Meryl Streep is writhing on the ground. She is scaling a wall. She is presumably flicking her bean to Abba. And she falls through the ceiling, coming face to face with the hunky hotties of yesteryear. Mamma mia, here we go again. <laughs> Based on these flashbacks, who would you have fucked? I didn't even pay attention to like characteristics. I just looked at these old men playing 20-year-olds uh-huh. because the sequel, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, half of it is this happening. <gasps> like half of it is Meryl Streep at 20 years old getting pregnant with one of these three men and like why the relationships don't work out. And then the other half is what's happening with Sophie now. But are they playing? No. It's not like Pen15 situation. No. So okay. because of that, like seeing them played by actual hot people, I do find okay. each of them charming. But in these flashbacks, no. No, real dear Evan Hansen vibes. When we got to Pierce Brosnan in that like long mustache, that's as long as his hair. It was disgusting. Yeah. Why did they do that with that budget? We couldn't have gotten some CGI in the mix. I don't know. Like we don't need to be seeing crow's feet as these grown ass (laughs) men are pretending to be teenagers. No, it was awful. But Donna's friends give her a pep talk and make her feel like the dancing queen she really is. And soon she's cannonballing into the ocean and performing at her daughter's bachelorette party for one night only and also the night before the wedding which i hate i hate i get so stressed out whenever there are bachelor or bachelorette parties before a wedding like i look like a dehydrated toad for two weeks after i go out drinking i don't need that vibe on my wedding day and also like if decisions are made that you regret later at least you have like two weeks in between 
before. Where if you need to tell your husband, like, oh, just so you know, I did blow the stripper. But everything's fine. My heart belongs to you. My mouth just was his for the For night. one night only. Yeah, but when you have 24 hours to process that, that's not good. Now, my problem with this, yes, the timing of it is poor. Mm-hmm. My problem, though, is bigger than that. It is. Unless... <laughs> Unless this story is about Blue Ivy messaging her three possible dads, why the fuck is her mother performing at her bachelorette party? There's nobody that should be performing at their daughter's bachelorette party with her college friends unless it is Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle. Can you handle this? (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we landed the plane there because I was like, why are we bringing Beyonce and Jay-Z into this? But yeah, it is like this is a mom who's going to wear white to her daughter's wedding. Maybe we let Sophie have a night that's about her. And then maybe if she just had attention on a regular basis, she wouldn't feel the need to bring in potential fathers to steal the show. That's very true. And my other question about Donna and the Dynamos, when they were in the height of their success, were they like Supremes level famous or were they like a local cover band? They were like a band that played at the local bar every Friday. I know it. I can feel it in my bones. They had a residency at their local Applebee's. Yeah, then absolutely not. This is something that needs to be done at like Donna's 50th. Or if she's already 50 something, then 60th. A milestone birthday would be a great time to whip out these Donna and the Dynamos costumes. And also, it wasn't a low-key Hindu. At one point, it looked like one of the human sacrifice scenes from <gasps> Scooby-Doo. It absolutely does. When the fathers come, they let Pierce Brosnan get away. Yeah. They're like, we're not going to tie you up. But the other two, I thought I hit the wrong button and turned on Yellow Jackets for a second. The other two, like, elderly, not exactly good-looking <laughs> men are tied up as all the women in Greece dry hump them. Some of the hens at this Hindu. Some of them are either going to end up like eating this man's spleen or becoming Sophie's new stepmommy. <laughs> like it was very sexual. It was very violent. It was very creepy. And then during all of this debauchery, all three men have figured out why they are there. And then all three men promise to walk her down the aisle. And this is example 768 of how Sophie is unsufferable because you already said yes to one. Just say no when the other two say it. But this is a woman who has had to deal with her mom's performances all her life so she's like oh my god three men want to walk me down the aisle and the dominoes aren't around to sing about it wonderful (laughs) yes sign me up that's true the next morning donna's besties come up with this weird convoluted plan to separate the men and fuck them kill them (laughs) i'm not quite sure but their plans are foiled first by life rafts and then by tanya's sexual conquest from the previous night who she calls a little baby and puts in a diaper (laughs) and This was my daughter's favorite musical number. They cackle every time that man is exposed wearing a diaper. They love it. Wow. Now, I do have some thoughts about this movie in general. May I speak? Sure. (laughs) Why, thank you. I saw this movie in theaters, and I liked it enough to buy the DVD, but then when I owned the DVD, I never watched it again. I didn't consider it one of my favorites by any means. I think I use the word, it's not a good movie often in my life. The musical came out in 1999, and I loved it. I listened to the recording all the time. I even skipped a performance of my drama club's production of Cinderella in 10th grade to see it when it came to Philadelphia. And my director was like, you need to get your priorities straight. And I said, honey, I did. I don't don't know what to tell you. I will not be at the Thursday night performance. You need to find me an understudy. Oh, you were in the play. I was in Cinderella. Well, yeah, I know you weren't in Mamma Mia on Broadway. Well, high schools do Mamma Mia now. I was thinking you weren't going to see the performance, but you were actively in the play and you were like, no, I'm not going to be there. Yeah, we did shows Thursday, Friday, and two shows Saturday. I was like, that first night, I won't be in the show. And it would have been fine Or expected if she was like, well, then you're not in the show. Like, the show's four nights. You can't come to one. You're not in it. But she didn't. She gave me an understudy. And that is when my Donna life began. Because then that same director, two years later when I was a senior, I couldn't go to auditions. And I wrote her a note that just said, you know my skill level. Put me in the part you think is appropriate. Is this also (laughs) the same director that allowed you to come back and join the production as a college student? Yes. That is fucking crazy (laughs) that you were returning like a cameo on Glee 
to perform for Mr. And Shu. a cameo is exactly what it was. Like, it's not like the lead dropped out and she's like, what are we going to do? We can't do this show without him. It was literally a character with one line. But then I was like, since I'm already here, since I already have to come to rehearsals for the next few days, I might as well just put myself in every musical number I can squeeze myself into. Well, things make more and more sense every week. I'd like to circle back to the conversation last week where you said you would, quote unquote, become a villain if you had superpowers. And I would argue for you to maybe look within. An antihero is not a villain. I think I'm an antihero. But anyway, my first thought was it came out in 1999, so the momentum had died between 1999 and 2008 when this came out. Like, nine years had passed, so I think I grew, I liked new shows that had come out, so my Mamma Mia era was over. But, number two, the London cast recording, because it was such a big part of my life for nine years, it is, like, stapled in me. So then when this cast did it different, I was like, oh, no, this is not what Mamma Mia is. In the London one, she Uh sees that the three men are in the goat house, okay? Uh Sees the three men in the goat house. She sings by herself against the wall, noticing them. Then she opens the door to say hello to the three men and says, what the hell are you all doing here? I'd love to stop and chat, but I have to go clean out my handbag or something and then slams the door and they say that's our Donna and then she sings just one looking so I think the talking during the musical break is necessary so in this when she finally talks to them and then just leaves the goat house and we don't get more of the song I've been blue balled which blue is one of the Mamma Mia colors so that's fine I'll just match it with some denim and call it a day but that's our Donnie That was a journey you've taken us on. What a wordsmith of just a lot of things. This is why we can only cover like one musical every so often because you really have a lot to say and I don't care about any of it. March is coming. I got my list already. All right. So (laughs) Sophie, who seems to be training for some kind of marathon because that girl will not stop making people just chase her around the (laughs) island. She finally fesses up to Skye that she's not only invited three dads, but she's also agreed to let them all walk her down the aisle. And all hell breaks loose. Skye realizes that while he wanted to just elope, she threw this entire wedding as an excuse to catfish her potential papas. Mm. When Sophie fights with her mom after she calls off the wedding because that's what Sophie wants, Amanda Seafried goes into her, it's not about the goddamn dance chip voice from Jennifer's body cuties you know what i'm talking about and this is my favorite kind of acting for amanda seafried she does it once every movie except mean girls she had to ease into it first because in this the mom says that's what you want and amanda says that's not what i want that's what you want and all one word oscar winner give it to she her. thrives in this place this is the place where magic happens <laughs> this is the place where amanda seafried puts her words together and goes up one octave this is what you want It's so good. (laughs) So Sophie's the fucking worst. She clearly has not done anything for this wedding. Her mom is literally about to have like a mental breakdown. She's in the process of getting this entire inn ready. She's got chefs bringing chicken out of the heat. She's dealing with old bang buddies popping up like a game of whack-a-mole. And what is Sophie doing? Again, she's just tapping people on the shoulder and being like, chase me. Chase me. (laughs) But at least Donna finally gets her turn for speed training when Sophie asks for a little help getting ready for the wedding. Help me mommy chase me which thank god because by all accounts it looks like sophie isn't quite sure how to brush her teeth shave or dress herself independently but the mother and daughter share an afternoon together and sophie asks her mom to be the one to walk her down the aisle Mm, beautiful. beautiful two things one this wedding look is my exact aesthetic and i'm mad that i didn't get to look like this on my wedding day and number two it's pretty fucking bold of sophie to go through with this wedding given the fact that the last conversation she had with her fiance ended with him being like i don't know if i want this anymore yeah like i might have a follow-up conversation before i make an entire village walk (laughs) up a mountain with me i would say so yeah and Just as the ceremony begins, shit gets real wild. Donna stands up and announces that Sophie's father is somewhere in the audience. She just doesn't know who. And then all three men are like, oh, it's cool. I'll be one third of her dad. That's fine. And Sophie's like, hey, let's just not find out. Insane. And at this point, I know like Pierce Brosnan already gave her a check. She got money from Grandma Sophia, whatever. So it's not about child support. But 
My God. Again, I ask, what is your life on the mainland that you can just take in a daughter? Maybe. Well, it's only one third. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, they're like, I get the knees down. I get the head. (laughs) But they do all of this. And then Sophie's like, hee hee, I don't want to get married anymore. Insane behavior. And then Harry's like, oh, and I'm gay. Like, so (laughs) much happens. It does. It does. (laughs) So quickly. And then, because there's no sense in wasting a perfectly good wedding, and hey, we've already covered paternity, uh, wedding being called off, Sophie's inevitable therapy bill. So Sam now steps forward, confesses his love for Donna, and asks her to marry him. He's like, surprise, I'm divorced now. It's good. The winner takes it all. Happily ever after. I guess. (laughs) I guess. I like that we spent 20 minutes talking about the bachelorette party and exactly two sentences talking about, like, the last third of this movie. <laughs> We're back, baby. No, that's not true. The bachelorette party, I feel like, was a big part of it. No? Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the wedding <laughs> was a pretty big part, too. But I was just like, I liked her hair and also all this stuff happened. Yeah. Well, her hair was very nice, better looking than Donna. Donna's hair and makeup were on point, I will say that. But her dress looked like a top that girls would wear in 2005 to go clubbing with a pair of black slacks. That is so right. Even the sleeves were exactly the same. The print was like blue and orange, like cheetah print somehow. She went to Express. Yes, yeah. And then she went to Buckle Next Door to find like cute dangly (laughs) earrings. Yeah. So, Uh wow, that was really fun. I was, like, weirdly nervous to cover movies again. I felt like we had finally kind of hit our stride with books, and I'm happy to be back. Me too. I had a lot of fun. So, final thoughts. If you were to bring this movie to present day, who would you cast in a reboot, or what would the plot of a sequel be? Okay, so I know there's a sequel already, but I pretended it didn't exist. Okay. And I made my sequel almost immediately after this, like, within the year. So... Sophie and Skye are on the way to Waterloo, which is another ABBA song, so we're already (laughs) throwing it in, as they're Uh traveling the world, but they are kidnapped by pirates. So Donna and the Dynamos and Sophie's three dads have to go on an adventure to save them. Huh. What a twist. (laughs) Okay. I went with the casting a reboot version, and I thought it would be cute, a little, pardon my pun, bookend to cast characters from the books that we have just covered huh okay let's see how this goes so for sophie i think corky corcoran from fear street familiar guy is michael from forever Uh, same red flags uh same overall ick vibe Donna is Mrs. Jeepers from Vampires Don't Wear Polka Dots. Okay. Donna's best friends are played by Miss Frankenweiner from the Mixed Up Files uh, Museum Mystery uh-huh. and the mom minivan from Neighbors from Outer Space. <laughs> okay. And then the love interest, this is where I really shine. The love interests are played by Chester, Harold, and Vanicula from <laughs> Vanicula. Wow. Mm-hmm. They kind of all work. Thank you. I spent time on that. (laughs) Okay. So final, final thoughts. What aged well about this movie and what aged like Blockbuster? I hate to end this on a lackluster note, but I think it all aged fine. Yeah. The cast obviously ages very well. I think that it's a musical and it's campy. And I feel like it's kind of timeless because it's meant to be cheesy and sort of bad in a good way. And I liked it. Me too. But maybe I've just been brainwashed by my daughters. It is three times a week. That'll do it to you. Yeah, a real clockwork orange situation (laughs) happening. So with that, cuties, next week we are not sure what we're covering yet, so be sure to go over to our Movies Are Back post and put movies that you would like us to cover in the future because we're creating our lineup as we speak. And yeah, we'll be back next week. We will talk to you later. Love Love you like a sister. sister. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you later. later. Love you like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.